Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I talk to frontman of Dirty Heads, Jared Watson, and it's a wonderful chat. We talk skateboarding, we talk Beastie Boys, we talk hip-hop, we talk great rock records. Um, he's just a dude. Um, growing up, Huntington Beach, California, and yeah, talking about the kind of skate scene and, and what was going on then. Sounds super exciting. And yeah, we get fired up. We get really, really fired up um, about some great records. So uh, you're in for a treat. Um, before we get on with the chat, a few thank yous. Uh, thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, I'm very proud to be part of that network, um, which was set up and owned by my um, my good friend, Scroobius Pip, um, who's, you know, a little shout out to him as always. Um been really supportive of any of my um, endeavours, whether that be the Hardcore Listening Podcast or this podcast, and we've run club nights together. Uh, and so when, you know, through uh, dipping my toe in podcasting, guesting on his drunk casts, uh, to then find myself, you know, four years later talking to, you know, being so lucky to talk to the people that I've spoken to in my own podcast, and the fact that he's supported that and, and put them out on his network um, makes me really proud to be part of him uh his network and yeah and to and to have him as a as a as a pal supporting what i do so yeah so um i normally just rattle that that one off but i thought i'd take a little bit of time and say thanks to pip today um huge thanks to you lot for um supporting uh we mentioned it on the podcast it's recorded today uh which is the 12th of july which is the day that it gets announced it's just been announced that um i can reopen my nightclub um we can all go back to nightclubs and gigs. Um, and so the nature of this podcast is going to change a little, I think, you know, because we've we've been starting all the conversations we've discussed in lockdown and we'll be able to, to not have to dwell on that now. And we can look forwards and talk about the exciting things that are, are going to be happening and that will be happening. So, uh, so yeah, um, I should also say that if it's your first time listening to this podcast, then... Um, Go check out the the back catalogue because uh, you can hear me talking to the Foo Fighters, uh, Motley Crue, Yellow Wolf, uh, Public Enemy, gosh, uh, Fat Boy Slim, 
Um, there's there's 320 episodes with all your favourite um, musicians. Uh, you know, some of them I've just mentioned. Producers, uh, Butch Vig. I've, I've interviewed Butch Vig, which is a wonderful chat. We talk about, you know, being that guy in the studio that put together Nevermind, put together, you know, Sonic Youth Records, Smashing Pumpkins Records. That's a great chat with Butch. Um, and if you like um, your actors, then you can hear me talking to Thomas Turgus. Um, Michael Smiley, Maxine P, Commander Abington, Joe Hartley. Got some amazing, amazing actors on the podcast. Uh, and if if you like your comedy, James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Jade Adams. Who else have I had on? Maisie Adam. Uh, loads of comedians. Rich Wilson, Marcus Birdman. Like, so, yeah, just go and have a look in the archive. Um, and, yeah, you'll find stacks of chats that you'll uh, you'll want to listen to. Um, and if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, I, I'd ask you to maybe give us a, a follow on the socials, on all the usual places. Um, subscribe, that's good. Then you don't have to worry about anything. A new episode just pops up on your listening device. And if you'd like to really get behind it, then I have a Patreon. And each week I put up video episodes and upfront episodes and radio shows. Um, I think there's a couple of hundred episodes on there that you'll get access to as well as the stuff that keeps coming out each week. And that'll cost you 79p a month. And uh, and it just goes in the pot to help put these uh, these pods together. Um, right. I feel like I've had a... I'm looking at the uh, the little recorder. Four minutes 20 I've been banging on. And we haven't even got the guest on. So um, I'll shush now. And, uh, and yeah, so... Gives me great pleasure to introduce today's guest from the band Dirty Heads, Jared Watson. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Jared, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Good, good, good. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm at home, Southern California. Nice. So before we get on to records, uh, let's just cast our mind back over the last kind of 15 months of, of something I don't think we any of us saw was, was coming. How have you found this recent period of time personally and creatively? I've had this conversation like quite a few times with friends of mine and I, and I just want to start off by saying, I don't want to sound um, like, 
uh, it was hard for a lot of people and I understand that, you know, so I don't want to sound like a dick, but personally it was a really good reset for myself and the band, you know, um, we'd been touring for 16 or 17 years and not, not really being mindful of that. Just kind of like, you know, our, our work ethic is, is high and we kind of just had the blinders on and our heads down and we just knew that that's what we were going to do. And, uh, we had always talked about having like taking a year off, but every year we just grew and grew. So we never wanted to stop in growth. So for something to force us to slow down and take a year off and spend time with our families and kind of enjoy like the fruits of our labor was, uh, it was, it was much needed. I mean, being stuck in the house for a while wasn't the, wasn't the greatest thing, but, um, we were still able to, that's the beauty of this job is we were still able to go to the studio Mm. and just kind of be confined in the studio and, uh, still work a little bit, but still, I got a three-year-old daughter. So that was like a a really good time to be home and watch her grow up. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it just kind of, reset everything and now getting back to live music and, and, um, it just feels good. I, um, I think at rehearsal, I realized it because rehearsals are like the probably the least glamorous part of the job. They're fucking boring. You're playing the same songs you played for 15 years again, you know, in a, in a, in the studio for four hours, five hours a day. And, uh, rehearsals are just boring. And, you know, we never looked forward to him. And this was the first time where we got in and I was like, rehearsals were fun again. Everybody was stoked. We we're having a good time. So it, it was, it was much needed, you know, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited. And we got a bunch of new music. We finished the whole album. Wicked, wicked. We're, we're recording this on the 12th of July and, uh, the government in the UK has just announced that, um, in well, next, next Monday, all restrictions are dropped in the UK. So, uh, I own a live music venue, uh, and it's been shut for fucking ages and I can't wait yeah, I to open my doors and to see people having a good time again. And, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, there's good vibes in the UK today. Like we've, uh, yeah, we've been told that next week, that's it back to whatever yeah. kind of normality that is going to present itself. But yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. You can feel the anticipation too, just within like, we played Red Rocks, which is a big venue in the States. It's like a pretty special place. We did it, our, our first shows back after a year were two nights at Red Rocks. And Red Rocks is, you know, it's about the top. No pun intended for us. And uh, I wasn't nervous at all. I, I had no anxiety, no nervous, n- nothing, because I just like, I was so excited. And if I was that excited, I knew how fucking nuts like how bonkers the the show was gonna go and it was exactly what i expected like you i just was like you know we could go up there and mess up we can go just go up there and have a good time because everybody just wants to see live music and the vibes were like so so high yeah well let's talk records and uh and i've got a list over from you and uh and this the list you sent me just for track one uh was 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 long uh, I will push you to pick one, but you can have some honourable mentions. And I do understand any time I've asked over sort of 300 musicians this question, and this is the one that they're always like, fucking hell, I can't pick the best intro. It's impossible, man. So so you can rattle off a few of your, your, your mentions, but I do want you to choose one. 
Okay. The the one that I was leaning towards just personally, because it's so much different than the rest. So obviously like a a giant fuck you to you in the most loving way for asking that question. Like it it, (laughs) it started like I still have fucking text arguments going on in group chats. Cause once I saw that, I was like, you know, what's the greatest intro of any song? I was like, what? I don't know. So like I had to like, I wasn't going to answer it on my own. Yeah. And I feel like you automatically go towards classics Mm -hmm. and you automatically go towards classic rock, like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin, Metallica, things like that. Um, That's just, it's too on the nose. So personally, the one that I think I'm going to choose is the Kanye West one. I can't remember the name of the song uh, where it's just the piano starting. Um, uh, Let me look up the name of it. Because it's new, it's current, and there's something so effective and so minimalistic about just starting with just a one piano note. Yeah. And then it's two piano notes. And then finally, when the beat comes in, it's like, that's a, that's a big, it's like, you know, going to a castle that's filled with like tons of tapestries and shit like that. And you're like, this is the, or a cathedral. And you're like, this is the greatest thing ever built or the walking into some minimalistic home. And it's like mm. the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Cause there's just one thing in it. And that one thing is so powerful that I think that Kanye West intro for me was, was just a little bit more unique than a, you know, a three minute, you know, a black Sabbath, like Bill Ward drum solo intro or something, you know? Well, that's, that's really interesting that you said that because I always like to ask musicians um, and, and you've, you've kind of sort of preempted it really with, with, with your mentions and your choice. And that's in the duration of the time that you've been making and releasing records, the way that people listen to music's changed vastly. Uh, and we've seen the massive evolution of streaming services and, 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 and TikTok and things like that, that have, when I watch my children ingest music, it's very different to how I did. Their their fingers and thumbs seem to move a little bit quicker. Their attention spans seem to be a little bit shorter to the point where I think if I was to sit them down and go, check out this like seven-minute Pink Floyd intro, they'd be like, what? I can listen to like 30 songs by then. And, yeah. And so with all of that in mind, my question to you is when you approach writing music now and you approach songwriting and the intro – are these changes in the way that people listen to music something that enters into your creative process? That's a great question. Uh, no, but it's been talked about. And that, that Kanye West song was Runaway uh, mm, featuring yeah. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Um, but uh, it <laughs> once we had the... Uh, I think, well, actually once kind of SoundCloud, a lot of the SoundCloud rappers started taking off, it was uh, really unique and I really enjoyed it because some of these kids were just, you could tell some of these kids were just in their bedrooms and they didn't have, um, you know, producers or labels or anybody like barking at them, telling them they need a a three minute and 30 second song because that's what radio likes uh, or a chorus or a pre-chorus or anything like that. It was just kids completely creating. And yeah. some of these songs were 90 seconds long. Some of these songs were 60 seconds long. XXX did a, a great job with that. And uh, it was cool to see that creativeness where they were just doing whatever they wanted and kids were still liking it. And It's punk as fuck, the, isn't it? It's so punk. It's smart as fuck because you can tell the attention span of these kids because they're only getting minute-long songs, mm-hmm. but that's all these kids have maybe, right? Um, 
And so, yeah, we, we talked about it. And then when TikTok kind of came out and vacation started doing well, um, you know, it was like, like, I was talking to writers and producer friends of mine, like, are you guys, are you guys writing stuff for TikTok now? And they're like, yeah, hundred percent, like a hundred percent. And, uh, it wasn't everything that I thought I was like, no, we're not going to do that. That's not us. You know, we're, 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 we are a live band. Mm. Um, and we write a lot of our music to the show. Cause I think that is the most important. I think live music is not going to go away if the future, you know, keeps going the way that it is. I do think VR is going to be a huge part of it. Uh, but I still would think of that as a live show. Yeah. Uh, you know, if people are popping on headsets and, and ready player one world, you know, and we're playing under the ocean or something. Yeah. Fucking cool. But we're still going to make it a live show. and We're mm-hmm. still going to, you know, have the songs for that. Um, so it hasn't, it hasn't affected the way that we're, personally writing music but it's definitely like i've noticed it and uh you know i i I just don't think that's us so i don't i don't think we have to worry about it right now and and then the thing is too is like i'm a little older and i i'm sure you it was your generation also but like then tool drops an album right tool drops an album and it beats taylor swift and there's fucking six minute songs on there and they're fucking fantastic so you know good music is good music yeah and it'll always come back around you know Definitely, definitely. Okay, track two, I want to take you back and I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yeah, uh, that, the, the first song that I can remember having an emotional impact on me was, was Billie Holiday. And I just chose that song because I liked it. I don't remember what song it was, but my mom had this lavender booklet, CD booklet, and it was skinny and it had the two double discs and it was Billie Holiday and her mom, my grandma, got it for her. And it was the first time I think I'd heard anything from that era, the forties, you know? Uh, and I remember laying down in front of the speakers with my mom and it's kind of a really beautiful moment and being like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is heart wrenching, like no drums, no, like not, you know, I was listening to like Beastie Boys and fucking Metallica and Slayer and like all this shit that was so like sensory overload. And then you get to like, you know, the, the kind of jazz and singers of the forties. And it was just like such a vibe that even like eight year old me was like, what the fuck is this? And my mom was like, you like this? I was like, yeah, I was obsessed for Billie Holiday for with Billie Holiday for years after that. And now even to today, like if you looked at my phone or got in the car with me, that would probably be a one odd thing that people think, what do you listen to? you know, on your time off. And it's a lot of shit from the forties, yeah. you know, it's like a lot, a lot of old jazz from the forties, you know, it's just such a vibe, you know? And I think for, for me being a musician, I'm around a lot of loud, very in your face music. So when I get home, I need stuff more soothing, more instrumentals, things like that. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Definitely, definitely. Um, you, you mentioned, obviously, that was your mum's CD. Uh, was there always music playing at home growing up? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of musicians always use that that old trope. Like, oh, my parents, you know, had great music and great vinyl, and and it was the same. You know, they had a killer vinyl collection that I have now, and they were always playing music. And some I hated, and some I loved. But you know, it was always on at the house. If I had to ask you to pinpoint the emotion, the exact emotion from listening to that Billy Holiday at that point, what would that emotion have been? It would, you know, when you're feeling sad, but uh, it feels good to put sad music on. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It yeah. was the first. I think it was the first time that happened to where I realized that, like, maybe that, maybe it was a perfect storm. Maybe that day I was just I was feeling sad or something. But it was the first time that music like worked with my emotions. Yeah, uh, like uh, you know, like alongside my emotions in a, in a good way, even though it was a sad emotion to where I, I knew like, Oh, you know, if, if I'm in a good mood, I can put on something that makes me feel even better. And if yeah. I'm sad, I don't need to put on good. Uh, if I'm sad, I don't need to put on music to make me feel better. If I'm sad, I can also put on sad music. And that for some reason might make me more sad, but it's going to make me feel better in that moment. You know, so yeah. maybe I'm relating to that, you know, and it was, the, and I, that's, I feel like, one of the biggest things about music yeah. is that emotional connection. I think that Definitely. was what made it so powerful because Beastie Boys was just like, I was eight and they were fucking talking about drinking beer and like skateboarding. So I was like, yeah, cool. But it wasn't anything like overly emotionally attached yeah. to me. You know? I, I think that's really, really mad that you said that because I do think that that's such, such a common thing for people to do that, I think, but on the face of it, people are like, oh, if you wake up feeling blue, like, sling on Blink-182 and throw yourself around your front room and have a dance. It's like, no, no, no. Where's that Cure record? And it's like, I want to, you know, and I don't know if, you know, if it's similar to what you were saying. I want to kind of process that emotion and just kind of, you know, immerse yourself in it and, and get through it. And, and it feels comforting. You know, it's a cuddle, isn't it? When you put them records on, it is an embrace, and it's like, look, you know, this is going to sound just right right now. You know, you don't need to be like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can, you can, it, it like, it gives you a moment and a feeling of like safety to live in it, to like live in the sadness yeah. or live 
the anxiety or live in the happiness with rather, I feel like a lot of people's whole lives is trying to, to change that. Like, I, I don't feel good today. I got to change it. You know, I, I, it's just like, no, sometimes it's okay. I mean, I feel like same with like breakup records. It's like, why do breakup records? Why do breakup songs work? Because when you're breaking up with somebody, it's such a huge moment in your life. And it's so much emotion, like whether you're a tough guy or not, like that's one thing that's going to hurt you. And like, for some reason, it feels so good to put that song on and to make yourself feel worse. Because you're so exposed to it as well at that point, aren't you? Yeah. And and they just creep in and then that's it, cemented. There's records that are ruined forever because it makes you think of that breakup when you was like 15 (laughs) that you just think, come on, man. No, I can't listen to it again, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, for track three, um, staying in the formative years, I want to ask you about the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Oh, Wu-Tang Clan. Nice. Dude, so I grew up like in the surf and skate culture growing up in Huntington Beach. It was kind of like uh, probably playing like football, like growing up in, you know, in the UK, mm. right? It's just, or, foot, or American football in Texas. Like growing up in Huntington Beach, the, the, the culture is very surf, surfboard uh, focused and skateboard focused. So I grew up skating and hip hop was a big part of skating. And you would make these video clips and you would always choose a song. And, uh, it was just me and my friends, you know, with a, with a video camera making these skate videos. And when Wu-Tang Clan came out, it was like, I had never heard any hip hop like that because they built a world around it. Tribe Called Quest came very close. Yeah. There was something very, you know, something very unique about Tribe Called Quest and their sound and the world that they built. But with Wu-Tang, it was like they were, you could tell that they were, that Rizzo was like a fan of comic books and things because he was like building an actual like visual world and the the themes, I'd never heard like themes like that been kind of so solid and so nailed down. And then there was a group of them. So it was like a whole gang. And there was like, there was a couple other hip hop, actually there was a lot of hip hop groups, but maybe not one that big. I don't know. There was just something so special about Wu-Tang that that's all we listened to. Uh, We were obsessed. That's all we listened to is Wu. Like that was it. We just drank. 40s and smoked weed and skated and listened to Wu-Tang Clan. And, like, that's just one of my favorite songs. And so... It's so weird that um, in the UK, like, growing up skating as well, like, we would find out, like, pre-internet, we would find out about core American bands through skate videos. We would have these VHS tapes and it would be like, whoa, what the fuck is that tune? And, like, and you couldn't... You couldn't Shazam it. You could, you, you, oh, you, yeah. you know, you had to hope that it was credited at the end as to what this track was on this skate yeah. video. And then you'd have to go to like, a record store and go, have you got this? Like, you know, and it was, it was like a, a real feeder in the UK. In, in that skate scene, it was massively that them, them VHSs, every time you'd watch one, it'd be like, wow, what's that tune? So good. Right. Yeah, you're so right. Like, there's been so many there's been so many bands or songs that I've found from skate videos and surf videos. Like you remember four one one? Did you guys have the four one one videos? Dude, mm-hmm. I, I was like, those were like playlists yeah. pretty much. Like skate video was like a playlist. Cause the, the Hessian kid would have the fucking metal song on. And yeah. then the fuck, the tech guy would have the hip hop fucking shit on. And you'd be buying that stuff. That's so I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, I think people sleep on how much skateboarding culture affects the pop world. Like, if you look at fashion... Everything, too, fashion. 
it's fucking crazy. Skaters are the first ones to wear skinny jeans. They're the first one to wear big jeans. It's like, you want to look at what's going to happen in fashion, look at what's happening skating now. And then in like three years, it'll be happening in high fashion. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Honestly, like in, in 1990, 1991, when I was walking around, if you saw someone else wearing a pair of Vans, you was like, oh man, he skates. Whereas you walk out in the UK and everybody's wearing Vans and it's like, yeah. but you know, that's cool. You know, Van, you know, Vans are, 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 are wicked, but back then, it was only skaters that wore vans and it was like, yeah. you could just tell. And yeah. And it's, and, and again, I just think that you're absolutely on the money there because fashion, music, artwork, like every design, so much of it just it comes out of that culture and it does get overlooked. For sure. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor, egg fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they have given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, And again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. So... In regards to school, before we move on, how was that? Did you enjoy it? High school? Yeah. Uh, The social aspect, it was one of those things that, like, it wasn't hard for me, so I just kind of, but it wasn't for me. I think, you know, the the system, the educational system, like, is not, in my opinion, catered uh, the right way for kids. It's, there's only one way, and there's thousands and millions of personalities and different types of people and different types of kids. And it was just like, seemed like a bunch of dated shit from like textbooks from the 1960s. And you got to do it that way. And I was a super creative kid. And the only class I cared about was art class. And, uh, I liked seeing my friends and things like that, but, uh, you know, it wasn't really for me. I didn't graduate on time. I didn't really care. Um, didn't really show up a lot. Um, so it, it wasn't a bad time. It was fun. But looking back now and having a child, I'm like, man, there's got to be a better way, you know. And t- I feel like teachers need to get paid more. They need to be praised a lot more. Um, it, there's just, it's just got to be a better way, you know. It's got to be catered more like college or something like that, you know. Okay. Give the kids a little more choice. Absolutely. Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? <laughs> no, dude. So I uh, – <laughs> I, um, I was going to go to art school. Uh, I was going to like, I was thinking I was probably going to be an illustrator or something along those lines. I got this little scholarship to this school in Southern California, to an art school in Southern California, um, line work for comic books, or, um, I even worked at a tattoo shop for a little while. Uh, but I didn't go to my government class. So instead of going to government Cause I was like, I'm not gonna be a politician. You know, I'm 18. I'm like, fuck everything. Fuck authority. Fuck everybody. Right. I'm like, I'm not going to government class. 
I would go to musicianship class, which my partner, Duddy, he, he had the actual class. And the teacher was like cool enough to just, I probably told them all I don't have a, you know, I have class during this period. So I would show up to a class I didn't have, musicianship class every day. And I just didn't go to government. And that's why I didn't graduate high school. It's because my government teacher failed me because I never showed up. That was right when I found music, but I thought I was going to go to art school. And once high school was done, we started playing a lot more music and started writing and recording. And that felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. And art school did not, I didn't want to go do more school. And I like, it was one of those things where I liked art and I knew I was good at it and I wasn't good at a lot of other things. And I knew maybe I could make some money, but I would get bored with it. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't get bored with music. And then we started playing shows and people started coming around and within three or four years after high school, we had got a manager and we're signed to Warner brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Before we sort of move things forward, it's the last question in the sort of formative years. Um, normally this is the question where people, uh, have a very embarrassing choice for this one. But, uh, you've got a fucking cool one, man. Planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, for track four, the first record you remember getting from a record store. Oh, it was a cassette. It right. was a cassette. Cool. Yeah, it was a cassette tape. It was Beastie Boys licensed to ill. And I went and I got it with my brother and we both got our own. And I think that, I think that cassette tape and probably Sublime, when Sublime came out, those were the two most important like albums that I bought. Yeah. You know, even my register, even the way that I rap, even the, the tone of my voice, like 100% is kind of like an ode or like w was one when I started was wanting to sound like ad rock. Yeah. Yeah. Is there another band that formed in the early 80s that up until, uh, what, four or five years ago was consistently releasing records that 
with every release, release something that was fundamentally just fucking brilliant, um, cool as fuck. And like, and they're the, you know, they were the coolest three people to ever walk the planet. You know, like has any other band done that? Has any other band as a DJ, I remember going crazy on a dance floor at my school discos to brass monkey and stuff like that. And then fast forward to, um, so what you want coming out, I was DJing then from check your head until the last record. Anytime the Beastie Boys released the record, doesn't matter. Oh, it was getting played and people were going off to it because there's something about that band. They're just, when people talk about Zeppelin, Hendrix, Beatles, Beastie Boys should be in that conversation. You're fucking right, dude. You're like getting fired up. Because I feel the exact same, man. Like, uh, nothing was ever the same either. No album. It was like, I know the Beatles and a lot lot of other bands do that, but not like in the hip-hop world. Like, nothing was the fucking same. And it wasn't that they were doing the same structure or whatever. And it was like, but it was just different. Like one album, they were just like, we're going to play all fucking live instruments and we're not going to sing at all. Here's an instrumental album. And you're like, why are you putting an instrumental album on you hit play? And you're like, this is fucking fantastic. (laughs) What is going right? Everything they put out was good. And there's something, I, I, I think the realness of those motherfuckers, like, everything was real. There was mistakes. There was mess ups. There was pitch. There was like, whatever you could just tell it was fucking dudes having fun, like friends in a room. And they had like so much humor, but then the playing was good. The parts were good. Like, and this is one of the best, this is why I love, not one of the reasons why I love them so much, but I love to, I love using them when I get in, discussions i don't want to say arguments but when i get in discussions with other songwriters or producers right lyrics lyrics gotta mean something all the time every lyric has to mean something every lyric has to be about something every fucking smash song has to have a great smart meaning behind it i agree i agree to a certain extent there's also songs that mean absolutely fucking nothing and the beastie boys are the king of just lines that don't make sense songs that don't make sense there's nothing to them they just sound cool and they're fucking stratosphere you know like you can just have fun sometimes you don't have to write i try and tell people you don't have to write songs about shit yeah you don't make it have no sense at all and it's still as long as it's fun like it, it doesn't matter and for me i think probably maybe every two weeks i just need to watch it and i will go back and i will watch them doing sabotage on Letterman and it's raw as fuck. And they just look like the coolest people on the planet. And I just think they haven't put a foot wrong. Like whatever they've done has just been right. on point. And yeah, you, you, you've seen the, the, the film like the, 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 Oh man. So good. So good. Right. I'm going to move on because I will just be literally talking about the Beastie Boys all night. Otherwise, um, yeah. but on record stores, um, in regards to them, how important were, was the record store for you growing up? Uh, so the, the, which is really cool. The record store is right next to the comic book store. So right. I would get my, and my allowance was five dollars yeah <laughs> i would give five fucking bucks for my dad for picking up dog shit and whatever i was doing 
And it was within skating distance from my house. And I get the $5 on Sunday and we go straight to the fucking comic book store and the, the record store is right there. So it was like, she, uh, you know, what door do I walk in or what do I need to get? Yeah. <laughs> You've got to choose what nerd you're going to be. Am I going to be the comic nerd or am I going to be the vinyl nerd? What am I going to be? <laughs> Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, moving forwards, then um, a a few years, I imagine for track five, um, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please. Yeah. Let's let's go with the Genesis song. Yeah. I mean uh, the just the Justice song Genesis because that one's probably a little bit more well known. There's like two like dubstep tracks in there that like you got a YouTube, you know. Yeah. The Nero tune's huge though. That's that's, the Nero tune. That was giant. I wanted to do that, but the the like. The Postman, I remember the Postman song was the first dubstep song yeah. I'd ever heard. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You know? and, uh, and I was already kind of going to raves a little bit and was already um, into drum and bass, uh, you know. Uh, but I just, I remember Gen- uh, Justice was like, that was kind of our go-to, like, yeah. to get the night either started or end. And yeah. that was like. That was about 10 years ago. So it was my late 20s when like, yeah, in, in my early 20s, like you're drinking and partying and like you're a little shit and everything. But like then there's like grown up partying where you have like a little bit of money. <laughs> you don't have responsibilities. You have your own house. You're flying around. We're in a tour bus and fucking just going hard as like taking years off of my life. <laughs> and uh, justice. I think that that was that was probably one of the biggest songs. Oh, there's probably Justice are responsible for probably quite a few uh, shortened lifespans, like definitely Honor. globally. <laughs> like collapsed nasal passages. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, in that, in the, let's go back to the early clubbing, um, and and like when you was young. And you'd go out to a club, whether that be like a, a rock club or, or, or whatever. What did you want from a night clubbing? Yeah, I, I think I think it's problem. I don't know if it, if it is a little different in the UK than here, but in Southern California, it was more like going to dive bars. Yeah, it, you know, it was like we wanted to go to like grungy dive bars, like punk rock bars, or just like shitty bars that like you know the drinks were cheap. It was you know clubs in my circle of friends were like bougie and that like wasn't us like yeah. we yeah. was a skater and you know we weren't gonna put you know fucking gel in our hair and and we didn't have no money and we didn't want to wait in lines and you know unless like we knew somebody that could get us in it was more so house parties and uh and like dive bars you know yeah. and you just want to go hang out with your friends and try and get chicks yeah. i feel like that is globally like the fucking goal for most dudes going out when they party you know you want to get drunk with friends or you want to try and get chicks absolutely um well i'm going to take you home uh for track six and ask you for a favorite song from an artist from your hometown oh i thought it's that whole country oh hey, do you know what it's county but um we'll uh, we'll go country that's fine Okay, so I thought it said country. So what I there's this band or it's a it's a DJ group. They were called Cl- Tribe Called Red, but I think it's uh, uh, I think that's what you can can look up. And it's these indigenous dudes, these Native American DJs, like straight off the reservations, and they like they take their actual like they'll take tribes um, like the like the powwow the like 
ceremonial songs. Like I don't want to fuck it up and sound stupid, but they'll take these native native American drum circle songs and they'll put like house music to it or drum and bass to it or hip hop to it. And it's fucking mind blowing. It's so original to me. Like I've never heard anything like it. And on top of that, there's something primal to like the, like that, that taps into to something in me that like, with something so old and real with the drum circle. So I was like, I thought it was country and like, rather than doing like country music, cause that's very American. I was yeah. like, let's go back to like the real Americans yeah. and give you some American Indian, like actual American Indian music. And uh, th- this, this DJ group is, is blending that. And it's really fucking cool. It's really, really cool. Where did you discover them? Uh, you know, right around the time when playlists started getting built, like kind of Pandora days, like when Pandora came out and you just put shit on and then yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, what is this? You know, I was probably just listening to some, some DJ or something and it, and it popped on and I was like, and then now it's like all I like when I go to the gym, it's all I listen to. It's just, it's very, very unique. And I really, uh, I really recommend people listening to it. Well, for the last track, you get to recommend something else as well and play DJ. And uh, for that track, I'm going to ask you for the song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Okay. This, this guy, his name is Hailu Mergia. And uh, this is going to be the most hipster thing I ever say in an interview, right? <laughs> Uh, it's Hailu Persia and the the song name is Sinta Yehu. I don't even know how to say it. It's Ethiopian jazz. Right. And like when people are like That's definitely the most fucking hipster thing anyone said on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm like feeling me in my coffee and my fucking vape and like, oh, I don't know. What are you listening to? Oh, the new Drake song. Yeah, I'm listening to Ethiopian jazz. <laughs> and I don't know how I found it either. Like it was just like vinyls, like trading vinyls with somebody, and they're like, "Oh, you like jazz?" I was like, "Sometimes, you know, not progressive jazz, but I like old." And they're like, "Dude, check out this duties. There's actually this shit that you can look up, and it says Ethiopian jazz on your Apple or your Spotify, and uh, it's gangster as fuck. It's like really, really gangster. It's like really fat, like heavy, really hook based jazz." It's just instrumental. I listen to a lot of instrumentals now. And uh, it's just like one of those gems that I always keep in my pocket when you get in conversations with like music snobs that think they know everything. And I'm like, oh, have you heard of Ethiopian jazz? And they're just like, no. And you put it on, they're like, fuck. And, and it's also one of those things where like, I don't want to give it away because it's so sample friendly. Like I'm surprised more hip hop producers aren't using samples yeah. from these records that I like wanted to keep it close to my chest in case we use in yeah. case we use them for samples. Uh, but then, you know, what's the fun of that? You know, I like sharing music. So Ethiopian jazz, everybody. Wonderful. Well, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people can go and listen to all of the tracks uh, that you've picked today, oh, that's Jared. And yeah, let's try to get that. I'll share it. Absolutely. And then, so with, with that in mind, uh, as of today in the UK, we're coming out of, of lockdown. I think globally, you know, the world seems to be relaxing. Um, what are you looking forward to personally from the rest of 2021 and what's going to be happening professionally? Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty easy answer and um, uh, we're, we're leaving on tour on Friday and like, I could not be more excited. 
I, I, you know, I don't know if I've been this excited for a tour since I was, I'm always excited for tour, but now we, we, like I said, we were touring for a long time. So there was a, it was not burnout at all, but it was just something that I was so used to. It was like, yep, I'm, I'm leaving for a couple months. This is what I do. I'm a fucking pirate. Bye. You know, now it's like, we've had so much time off that like, I'm, my body needs it. My mind needs it. I'm like ready to go out. So I'm so excited for, for live shows. I think it's going to be good for everybody. I think it's going to be good for human beings. I think it's going to be, I mean, not human beings, but uh, for, for, I think it's going to be good for people's fucking health, their mental health, just to be around people, just to go out. Like we are supposed to be doing this. We are social creatures, like from back in the fucking caves when we were banging on drums with bones and shit. Like it is built into our fucking DNA. Right. And when you take that away, it's, it's going to be hard. So it, uh, not to sound pretentious or anything, but I, I, it gives me a sense of pride to be able to be a part of, to be be able to be a part of that, like to, to, to give people something that I feel like that they, they need, you know, definitely. And, you know, you're, you must know that whatever you give is going to come back twofold as well, because all of them people in the crowd have missed getting as much as you've been, you know, you've missed giving. So it's going to just be fucking wonderful, man. Like I can't wait to see a show. I can't really can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be bad shit. Like, uh, like I said, I just knew that the shows were going to be special. And a lot of people are like, hey, are you okay? Like, is the band doing okay? Like, are you guys going to be all right this year? And it's like, surprisingly, I, this is, yes. Yeah. Like, I think this is going to be one of the best tours we've ever done because yeah. everybody was, was holed up, you know? And uh, we had success with this song Vacation on TikTok and it going viral, like, Four billion views, like crazy numbers, and getting us into other countries, which is huge. And like, I'm this is I've only done three interviews in the UK, yeah. right? We won't be over there once. And and the cool thing is, in the UK, in London, we did a show that was like 500 kids. Yeah. And it was packed, and they knew every word. And we're like, oh shit! But then we went to France, and there was like five people there, and they were singing the songs. So I was like, oh cool, we got some French people to know the words. And I was like, hey, how are you? I talked to them after the words. They're like. Oh, we're Marines from the States. <laughs> like, fuck. All right, we got work to do. So we have work to do in Europe, but in the UK, we know we have some spark. So yeah. that song is now able to start getting us press. We're starting getting looks. So now we're going to be able to go back to the UK. We're going to be able to go back to Europe. Like we're going to be able to go back. We're going to be able to go to Australia for the first time. So we're excited not only to tour here, but once probably not this year but hopefully within the next two or three years be able to get over you guys wonderful look forward to that jared it's been an absolute delight talking records with you thank you so much yeah anytime there you go there you go oh lovely chat uh what a dude um yeah super cool guy um really enjoyed that chat and uh yeah both got fired up about the BC boys. Uh, yeah, it's lovely when you, you kind of stumble across things that were, you know, mutually important uh, in your lives, whether that's beasties or skateboarding or, you know, all of them things was 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 just lovely to to, to discuss. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you can tell when I get really hyped because I start effing and jeffing. Things got a little blue, and uh, but yeah, that's uh, that comes from. Uh, yeah, that comes from passion for music. And uh, yeah, but if you're listening in the car uh, with the kids, sorry, 
I won't do that again. Um, thanks loads for listening. Um, as mentioned at the beginning, you can support it on Patreon for 79p a month and get access to loads of other stuff. Um, yeah, um, I hope you all have a lovely week. I'll see you next time. Be excellent to each other. Take care. Love you. Bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Eat it, boy.